18 weeks looking at the Sermon of the Mount, uh, which Pete reminded us last week is historically known still today as some of the most beautiful radical teachings um, ever in all of history. Um, and so that's pretty incredible. Many people have placed it as a, one of the, as if not the greatest speech that, that changed the world. And, um, yeah, this morning, um, as, as we, uh, press into the Beatitudes, um, it's really about the heart. And so, um, I'm really excited, um, to press into our, our hearts together this morning and, and look at the power of the heart, um, to lead our, our head and our soul and our spirit and, and our minds, our brains. Um, and so to, to start with, um, I, was, I was thinking through of, of some of the first memories I have of, of when I had to learn to trust my heart uh, and trust um, faith and believing because we believe through our hearts um, and then our heart actually leads everything. And so has anyone uh, exploited, uh, not exploited, but enjoyed the return and earn um, so far there in our lovely car A few return and earn fans. I've started collecting bottles. I'm going to check it out. I still haven't used it yet. But the youth keep going over there and collecting 40 cents on Wednesdays and Fridays for our programs. But actually, uh, that spot holds a very special moment for me. So I was a little upset when they just dropped a huge electronic machine on it. But one of my fondest memories eight years ago happened right there in the car park. And it was a moment between Emma and I, uh, my wife. Um, we've been married like almost four and a half years or so now. But yeah, we were considering dating eight, eight years ago and um, I was really nervous, unsure about it, wasn't really ready to commit. I was only 20. Uh, I was dealing with a whole bunch of things from my high school um, uh, journey of many, many relationships. And there I was with Emma after church. Um, she'd taken me to the side. She said she wanted to have a chat and we were talking about it and I, I kind of said to her, look, I'm just not sure. I don't know. I'm really not sure about you and I. I'm not sure this can work. Um, and she said, and she had this moment uh, where she just looked me in the eyes and said, you don't need to know. Like, why don't we just try it out? And as simple as it was, it spoke to my heart. Um, and the heart has a voice. And her heart spoke to my heart. And there in that moment, I just had this revelation that, that the heart received and then it went to my mind that, yeah, why am I trying to control everything? I actually don't need to know. And, and in worst case scenario, I can just dump her in a week. Um, no, that didn't come up in the heart. Suddenly I was like, I'm all in. Like, I, I better start saving for a ring because, like, you're the most empowering, freeing young lady. And, um, like, she's she's got a fever this weekend, so she's not here, so I can just say anything this morning. Um, but... There she was, you don't need to know. And and suddenly what happened in my heart, and as I reflect on it eight years ago, um, I had um, kind of not really understood how precious the heart was um, throughout high school. And so I kind of went on a, a whole bunch of different relationships and, and had quite a, a wilder year 7 to year 11, 12 journey. And looking back, I, my heart kind of had had all sorts of cracks and breaks and wounds and 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 all this this kind of pain and and then eventually kind of almost fear of intimacy because I'd I'd kind of abused intimacy and then I just didn't understand fully relationships now that stage I I'd, I'd had a couple of years where I was beginning to allow God um to to strengthen and and open my heart but then we we started dating and we actually had quite a difficult first year or two um with both um, quite scattered pasts um, with with all sorts of um, things that had happened. 
and then we went on this journey and yeah, the rest is history. Baby due in four weeks and four days. Um, so it's gone okay. It's gone okay. So I share that because of the power of the heart. And when we come to this famous speech, um, Pete shared a little into it last week, but as I grew up hearing the Sermon on the Mount and particularly the Beatitudes, they always felt like something I couldn't reach. And I always felt like I fell short and they kind of put me back into a place of guilt or shame or, or like I was letting God down. And um, often, unfortunately, that's um, one of Satan's favorite um, tools to put us outside of a relationship with God where we think we're not good enough for him or where we're falling short because of the beauty of the teachings in the Sermon of the Mount that um, children from this age know to to forgive or to say thank you or not to worry or to, to love um, the kids at school that maybe are harder to love, loving your enemies. These famous sayings from the Sermon on the Mount, it felt like if unless I live up to that, me and God aren't okay. And so as we come to the context, um, which we, we looked into a little bit last week, and you can go and listen to that podcast, but just to give us a, a quick refresher, um, this was a time where um, God had not spoken through any leaders or prophets for over 300 years. So there was quite a silence. Um, the, the, very similar today, but actually Christianity, um, or at that time um, Judaism, um, the Jewish religion, had been pushed um, out of the center of society. Uh, it was a minority. It was on the edges. Um, but it was ran by the, the priests and the Pharisees and the leaders of the church or the temple at the day. And, and out of their fear and their desire to, to win back the kingdom and to take over uh, the empire, they had kind of created that if we live so well for God, we will fight back and we'll make the world fear God again and they will know the Jews. And there was this incredible kind of uh, pride and religion that formed that was all about the outward. And slowly, similar to the history of Scripture, um, the inward was forgotten and the heart was forgotten. And so what was a gift? The law given to Moses was a gift to help us stay in a correct and right and honest relationship with God. The law was meant to be a gift. It was about love between us and God. But after centuries and centuries, the church leaders and the Pharisees, the, the religion at the time, they took the law and they hit people with it. And they pushed away the poor and they oppressed everyone with it. And they made everyone feel inferior and it all became about power and status and, and um, pushing everyone kind of into a lower position, and it was about control. And so sadly, um, that was what was happening um, 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born into the world. The law became about control, abuse, and power, all about the outward, and they had fallen away from the prophet's teaching, which had been to come back to God, turn back to me, um, turn your hearts back to me. So if you were to turn to Matthew 15, um, you would see a story where, where Jesus confronts the Pharisees. And in verse 7 of Matthew 15, we read that Jesus says, You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. And so Jesus kind of sums up what was happening for the, the leaders of the church. As I've sat in this for two weeks, it, it brings a real challenge for, for myself and, and I'm sure all the leaders and all of us here as we consider what is the church's voice as in Sydney and in Australia, we're pushed to the side. 
Are we known for radical love and, and freedom that Jesus came to bring? Or are we actually similar to the hypocrisy of the times? The church, unfortunately, we are known for our rules and our standards, often above our ability to love and to share and to give. And so it's a constant tension that we continue to be called to, to um, bring um, to, the, to the heart of what the church is known for. So there we have it. They, they were known as hip, hypocrites. Um, it was a performance. They would fast in front of everyone. They would pray in front of everyone. And then they would try to manage um, society through through the law. But instead, what Jesus came and, and what he fulfilled um, through the cross and through um, his death and resurrection was actually that, that through him we're made right with God. There's nothing we can do. Works will no longer matter. And we're actually all chosen and accepted and loved. And it's from that place through Jesus that we can begin to live a life that can bring um, something to this earth of, of healing and, and restoring. If you think of the ancient wisdom and a scripture and a song that kids learn from a young age, Proverbs 3 verse 5, um, we read that, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The kids still sing that today. And I love the, the wisdom of the, the ancient wisdom in the Proverbs that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Our understanding falls short. We, we can't fathom the mystery of God and we can't fully fathom faith through our minds and our understandings, but we trust through the heart. And so for the religion at the time, they'd, they'd lost the heart-to-heart relationship with God. And, and that's where I want to press into this morning. And and then God's really been speaking to me this year through that heart-to-heart relationship. And we, we sat in Isaiah 55 for four weeks and then Luke spoke to us from Isaiah 58. And in, in verse 11 to 12, there's this, uh, the picture of us being well-watered gardens. And I think it was a picture for us as a church this year. And out of that place of being a well-watered, cared-for garden, then we're able to rebuild and restore um, the homes and families. That was a prophetic picture Isaiah gave for the church still to today. I think, um, unfortunately, we often want to rebuild and restore and, and do great things for God, but we forget about this this well-watered garden. And, and this morning, I want to propose um, that, that the well-watered garden is our hearts. Um, that, that everything happens through the heart. So I'm just going to pray for us and, and then jump into that. I'll leave the diagram for now. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much um, that we can be here, that we can learn that, that your scripture speaks to us. It's alive and active, your word. And so I pray this morning that we um, would have again the eyes of our heart opened um, this morning to look at our heart-to-heart relationship with you, Jesus. We come before you now, Lord, and we, we want to bring you all glory and honor because that's what you've given us through Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. So Pete reminded us, and the, and the writer of Matthew begins to really pace up the story in, in Matthew 3 and 4, and we see that um, Jesus, before his ministry begins, there's this moment of love and acceptance over him as he's baptized. And Matthew writes in in verse 16 that the heavens were opened. And out of the heavens, as Jesus was baptized, baptized, the the Spirit descended on him like a dove. 
and we we read the words that that God spoke over Jesus himself needed this acceptance and love and validation just as we do that this is my son whom I am well pleased whom I love this is my son I love him and and we never read that heaven was closed and so we see in that moment that Jesus's ministry he he ministered with the father in heaven it was open and we uh and then he he filled us with himself through the spirit in acts 2 and today we we live with the spirit of Jesus and we continue to minister um through the father son and spirit and through this open heaven relationship that we have and um then uh there's after this moment Jesus picks not the pharisees and the leaders and the known people of the time but he comes to the fishermen Peter and Andrew there on the shore, drop your nets, come follow me. And, and the story picks up and it, it's incredible that he picks these humble, simple fishermen. Often these guys were, were rejected from the rabbi school. They couldn't memorize enough scriptures. And, and here we have, he began to pick these humble um, disciples who would come with him and to them he would teach the secrets of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Um, and it's out of the disciples that we know today the church continued to be built as we become his disciples. And, and these, um, for few, a few years, he spent his time with these close friends, the disciples. And it's the same heart to heart journey he had with them that he desires with us. The same heart to heart relationship that God had the Father with the Son, whom he was loved and, and who he loved and was pleased with. He then, Jesus had with the disciples. And, and we get to be a part of now. And then we land into the beginning of the Sermon of the Mount, which is the Beatitudes, these beautiful, um, secrets. And they're called of the kingdom of heaven. They're kind of like these loving whispers, these promises. And you know, we might, I'll just put the uh, eight beatitudes up, but they're, they're just these incredible, beautiful declarations that Jesus comes in. And we might wonder, how can Jesus declare that and say that? Because that's what everyone was wondering at the time. Who is this man? How can he say that? But Jesus was the son of God. And that was what gave him the authority. Jesus was going to die for the whole world. He was under God's plan and he had the authority to declare not blessed could be or, or will be or shall be, but blessed are. And he speaks over all society, all people, not gender, not race, not status, not power, but he speaks over them. Blessed are these eight traits of the heart, these eight positions, these, these, these um, internal longings of the heart. And suddenly Jesus has opened up heaven for all people, not just the Jews, not just the temple, but for everyone. And that's one of the greatest messages you, you and I can carry. And in, in this day and age of skepticism and, and post-Christian culture and where we're pushed to the sides, it's going to happen through humble fishermen. It's going to happen through our hearts and our authenticity and, and our openness and our vulnerability to walk in these promises and um, slowly God will use us in humble, beautiful ways to spread his kingdom, the secrets. And so Spurgeon, the Prince of Peach, preaches, I love him. And um, any sermon or text I'm ever looking at, I'll have a look at what did he speak into. And I love that he called this a ladder of light and that each um, beatitude um, importantly comes after the other. Each one is a step of the purest sunshine, he reads. Um, these blessings and these promises are for you and I. Through Jesus, we can receive all of them. 
And, and nine times these charming words, Spurgeon said, fell from his lips in rapid succession. His lips were like honeycomb, dropping sweetness. Promises and blessings were flowing from his mouth. Not blessed shall be, but blessed are. There's not one step in the whole divine experience and relationship, not one link in this chain of grace in which there isn't a divine smile. Blessed we are. So these weren't a set of rules or a checklist for us to go, I need to become this, this, and this, and then I'll receive that, that, and that. These, you're blessed because he loves and accepts you. And out of this blessing, the kingdom of heaven is yours. Out of our mourning, you'll be comforted. Out of meek and being humility, humble, um, we can inherit the earth. Last week, we kind of focused on, on the blessing of being poor in spirit um, and the promise for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4 says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And this morning, we're going to um, press into the idea of mourning and, and, and how we can receive comfort through that. But before um, we just push into that, um, this idea of the fact that we are already all blessed um, for those that put their heart and faith in Jesus. Um, we're saved by grace, not by works, Paul wrote. And this was a radical new teaching for the people of God. And, and one of my um, favorite pastors in New York, John Tyson, um, in his recent book, and, and, and he picks up on a lot of writing today, talks about how for too many decades we've focused on sin, um, we've focused on Genesis 3 and the curse. And, and John um, and many writers um, talk about how it's important we understand what all went wrong in Genesis 3, but before that, we see God's intentions in Genesis 1 and 2. And we see the beauty of creation. Um, we see God breathing and speaking into creation. Um, but what we see in, in verse 28 of chapter 1 is when God created mankind in his image, we read that God blessed them. And then he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and rule over the birds and the fish and the sea. Rule over it all. And he gave authority to man and woman over all things. He gave equal authority to man and woman over everything. But before he gave that authority, we read that he blessed them. He made them happy. He filled them with joy. And through a relationship with them, they were blessed. And so what I love is that then for thousand over a thousand years there was this dilemma of of being cursed and struggling to be right with god that jesus comes and because of what he knew he would do on the cross he brings blessing back and we all get to not work for blessing but we get to live from blessing and and john tyson uses that for a, a kind of foundation for his church community in new york that we're not working towards blessing we're working from blessing and we're stepping and experiencing and believing and trusting in the blessings of God. That when we mourn, he promises he will comfort us this morning. And when we open up our hearts, Jesus will bring comfort to us in his time and in his love and in his grace. Because as the, as the rain and the snow come down, so does his grace. It waters the earth. And so these are promises. And so... Um, we looked at being poor in spirit and how that, that first beatitude is about us realizing we need God. Um, we all need him. 
and then um, Jesus moved into um, the state of mourning, and, and which which comes from the heart. And bef- bef- as we um, are about to jump into that, um, one of the things that really changed my life was uh, the the words of Ezekiel. If you want to turn to Ezekiel thirty six, um, eight hundred years before Jesus, there was this um, prophetic promise that that God one day would give all people a new heart and a new spirit. So we read in Ezekiel thirty six twenty six. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This promise of, of receiving a new heart, for me, when I was um, 18, 19, kind of began me on that journey of, of understanding the importance of the heart. And then as I've kind of journeyed the, the last 10 years with Jesus and then to this year and, and to this revelation that our relationship comes from the heart, that the mind needs renewal, but our faith begins in, in the heart and through our beliefs. Um, and, and we cannot fully fathom God. Um, but through faith and trust and belief in the heart, we begin to renew our minds and then our outward actions and behaviors will begin to, to follow that. Um, Life is, is lived from the heart and we're called to this living relationship with Jesus. In Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, um, one of the leaders asked Jesus, how do I get into the kingdom of heaven? Um, or, or what's the greatest um, commandment, he says. And, and Jesus says, it, it all rests on these two commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul and, and body and love your neighbor as yourself. And so we see that it begins with the heart but it begins with, with this loving relationship with us and God. If you turn to Ephesians 1, Paul, who encountered Jesus, had his life change, changed. He then teaches the church, which is teaching for us today, that it, it happens through the heart. And um, as I'm reading this, I'll put this diagram up because um, uh, pastors at a church down in Rouse Hill that um, spoke at a retreat I was at a month ago They kind of put this diagram which really helped me unlock the emphasis of the heart and and, and kind of put a picture to what I'd experienced and what I've been learning for the last 10 years. But it was this idea that our heart is the gateway between earth and heaven. Our heart is the gateway between our relationship with God each and every day with everything that we face. And therefore, the most important thing that we care for is our hearts. Um, that we process is our heart. And so when Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus uh, from verse 17 in chapter 1, he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us to believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And so when Paul was writing to the church, he was praying that the eyes of their heart would be opened. And so throughout all of Scripture is this emphasis on the heart, that our our heart not only has a, um, a voice to speak and feel, but it also has eyes to be opened and aware of the secrets of the kingdom of God. 
of, of our relationship and, and all that God is doing. Because as we walk on this earth and, and face trials and temptation and suffering and, and the battle between dark and light, our heart's going to suffer through that and we need to care for it. And we can do that through the power of Jesus. And that was what Paul was writing to. And then as he moves on into the letter um, to, the, to the Ephesians, in, in chapter 2, verse 8, we read, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves. This is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we can see that the, the religious times and the Pharisees were boasting. They were trying to get right with God through works and teach that. But we're saved through grace, and it's a gift. It's a gift that's just given. We just have to receive it. And so hopefully I've helped um, point to us the scriptures and God's heart for our hearts. And so therefore, what does that look like for us to care for our hearts is, is the journey I want to press into this morning. Um, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The, the Greek word mourn is pentheos, which means deep grief or intense sorrow. Openly manifested by weeping audibly, the, the Greek dictionary says. Um, another translation is to wail. Um, there used to be a stigma that, you know, Christians had to be happy and joyful all the time. But that's not truth. Um, Christian tears are an incredible thing. And um, the shortest scripture ever, Jesus wept, is this incredible human moment that after the death of Lazarus, that, that Jesus himself wept and experienced sadness over, over death. And so as we come to the promise, um, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Often um, people jumped over history and thought that it just meant um, facing death. Um, if you're mourning, you're sad for someone who has who's passed and, and that this promise is for those who've lost someone. And, and that is attached to it. But um, most um, and writers point towards the fact that this state of mourning is, is actually a universal mourning and grief and sadness over the state of the world, over the state of darkness, um, over the state of suffering. Um, it's, it's an individual uh, mourning, but it's also a, a universal one. And the word comfort, um, parakaleo, means to console, comfort or encourage. And so for all of us, once we're poor in spirit and we realize we need God, you're promised the kingdom of heaven. And now once you mourn, you'll be comforted. Part of knowing we need God and part of our eyes being open to the world, we need comfort. I'm sure that we all long to be comforted and consoled. Right now, I'm so sure each of us have a variety and scale of, of struggles and sufferings within our family, within our workplaces. And I believe this morning, God is wanting to bring comfort to that, this beautiful promise that if you were to open your heart this morning, um, that God will begin to minister and speak through his Holy Spirit into that. The word parakaleo um, actually comes from para parakletos, and the, the paraclete is the Holy Spirit in John 14. And the, the paraclete that comes that Jesus promised to the disciples when he was leaving was, I will send you another, I will send you a helper, a comforter, and that was the Holy Spirit. And actually, we all have the Holy Spirit to bring comfort to our hearts. And, and this morning, I believe that, that if we can learn to each day and right now today um, bring our hearts to the light, 
that, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit wants to speak and care and massage and love and console and, and speak to the heart. Um, a, a quick story for me when, when this promise became just not just a future promise, but right now, um, four years ago was on a mission trip, uh, the first one with Chicago where we went to the Solomon Islands um, with a bunch of young people and we were staying uh, at an island and unfortunately, on the second night, um, a young, uh, te- a young adult um, had had passed away from uh, alcohol poisoning, and it was a, a sad moment. But all of the island went into grief, and we weren't able to um, run the soccer clinics for that afternoon. And then Monty and myself, of all people, were invited to be uh, honourable guests at their grieving and funeral process. And so late one night at, at 10 p.m. we were brought, we were collected and, and we walked for kind of 15 minutes along this path, um, through forests, over a bridge. And I kind of, I was kind of really, um, a little bit nervous about it. It was an open body funeral. And by the time we got there, there was over 200 people kind of gathered around, um, some on the roof, some on the, um, on the ground, just gathered around and we were brought to the body. Um, and we were seated as honoured guests from Australia at the front. And it was this incredible cultural experience that, you know, still today I, I'm processing um, and, 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 and wondering about all that went on. And we sat there and we were there for over two hours. Um, it was custom to, to give a financial gift and I could understand some of the pigeon. Um, and they were testifying that even in death, this young person had guests from Australia and so I'm just baffled as this young youth leader there with Monty uh, in this moment. And then the youth pastor that had led us on the trip was invited to speak. And I was thinking, you know, this would be such a, you know, kind of sensitive, careful moment. And this youth pastor stepped up and preached the boldest, bravest message I'd ever heard in quite a sad circumstance where they did not know whether this person was in a relationship with God or had faith in his heart. And he preached from Psalm 116, uh, verse 15, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. This bold scripture. And he spoke into it and and he kind of testified, we don't know where this man was, but all of us today have an opportunity to have faith in Jesus. Precious in his sight is your faith if you would believe today. And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh. And after he had finished, um, during that whole... uh, the kind of first hour there had been weeping and wailing and crying and mourning and and kind of rhythms of of grief and then suddenly there was just this peace in the room that you could taste and the holy spirit brought this peace and comfort that i had never seen or witnessed in my life and i realized that the promise when we believe in it when we step out into it that blessed are those who mourn that bring their hearts to light in the suffering and in the darkness even in the face of death God has promised and Jesus declared that blessed are you and comfort will come. I will give you comfort. And so from that story and from this radical teaching of Jesus, I wonder for us this morning, what does it look like for us to bring our hearts and our mourning, our grieving, our disappointment? Each of us all carry frustrations and disappointment and anger. And... um the, the teachers, um, T- Tim and Deb from, from a church, I-61 in Rouse Hill, they gave this picture to Emma and I that was so helpful 
um, when we, we learned under their teaching at a retreat a month ago. And they talked about what we often do with our emotions in our heart is when we're going through anger or frustration or disappointment or any different emotion, the temptation that often we face is to bury it, is, is to put it um, deep down so that no one can see it and that we don't have to deal with it anymore. But the problem is our feelings and our emotions, they're alive. <laughs> you cannot bury them and they'll come out when you don't want them to come out. And therefore, it's, it's the same image of trying to bury a human that's alive and covering them in dirt. They're naturally going to squirm around and get out of the dirt. Well, that's what happens with our feelings and, 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 and our hearts. And so this morning, I want to encourage us that, that for us as the church, we need to become the most honest and open and heartfelt people. They say um, that, especially, uh, I've never understood this because I'm much more of an emotional um, male, but often they'll say that throughout um, history, men are asked how, what they think about something and women are asked what they feel about something. Um, and so for us guys especially, um, we need to grow in this journey of the heart, um, if that's okay for me to say. Um, but all of us, all of our various personalities, some of us might find this more difficult than others. But this morning, that picture of our emotions that are alive, we need to not just bury them. We need to bring them out in, in to safe people or to safe, quiet places with God um, or into prayer ministry settings or small group settings and bring them to the light. In our church, asking for prayer. And, and unfortunately... The fear that, that the enemy wants to put into us, we actually become afraid of our own hearts. Um, and the, the, the greatest danger is that we would be afraid of our feelings and our hearts and that we wouldn't deal or, or process with them. I've been amazed. It's, it's really fun for me to work with young people the last 10 years in our youth ministry because often it's, they've got a lot, much more childlike faith and they just bring things out. And so as I was thinking about how to, how to, I guess, illustrate and inspire us to bring truth and, and openness to our hearts this morning um, was just sharing a few stories. But I remember a couple of years ago, a year 12 boy who's almost an adult was able to bring to the light the fact that he was on medication, had been suffering depression, um, and he wanted a journey of freedom and he wanted a relationship with God. And I remember getting to pray with him and seeing him bring that out. He told no one, but when he bravely brought that out, it then allowed a journey of the heart for God to begin to help. Recently, uh, a year eight boy um, confessed the anger that he was carrying for the way his parents had been fighting and they'd split up and the, the way they had acted around him. And he just wept with one of our leaders over the anger and the pain he had experienced. Now, the greatest thing for him was to bring that to the surface and allow the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to heal and minister and love and care. And it's that same ministry that all our hearts need. We all suffer broken relationships. We all suffer from these, these different obstacles we face. And this morning I want to invite us to receive the blessing in mourning and pain and in suffering, to bring, our, bring things to the light with the right people of the right places under God and under the ministry of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit, which he has, has given to us all. And, and suddenly the secret of the kingdom that Jesus is teaching us 
is to walk heart to heart with each other, first with God, heart to heart, and then with each other. And if we were to walk as a church through that, God would use us and send ripples through Dural and beyond. John wrote that there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. The love of Jesus taking away all sin and suffering um, ultimately through the cross and through his resurrection, that perfect love that he laid down for us all is the loving power of the Holy Spirit that can heal us and restore us. And as we begin to heal our hearts, we'll be able to help and guide others to be healed. But if we don't first water our gardens and deal with our hearts, we'll be really limited on the amount of healing we can see in our families and friends and society. So it starts with us. Um, the, the other teaching under this bringing our heart to the light was, and it's just been so helpful, is that we need to name the emotion. We need to find out what it is. Is it disappointment? Maybe it is anger. And once we name it, don't judge it. Number two is not to judge that emotion. And then once we're experiencing that and brought it to the light, what would happen if we invited God to speak into it? If we invited Jesus to speak into it and guide it and then heal it? And this this powerful process would begin. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That is a promise. And it's not only a promise for the future, but it's for now, that we get to participate in these promises right now on this earth. Underneath the open heaven that Jesus had, we have that too. And there's a blessing you can receive today if you were to begin that journey with all the faceted, multifaceted emotions and struggles and and battles we each may be facing. And the secret that the Pharisees and religion didn't understand, they tried to fix the outward. But if we can begin with the inward, we will begin to live out the Beatitudes and then the Sermon of the Mount. Through the Holy Spirit, the fruit will come. The ability to love our enemies, the ability to remain faithful in relationships and marriage, the ability to not worry, that will happen through the heart and through the blessings and the blessed nature that we are in God. So, so could we all just stand and, and just, I'll invite the band up, but let's just have a moment, um, just, um, standing or if you, if you feel like sitting, please sit. But just before we sing, I, I just want us to pause for a moment and just to begin asking what are the, what is coming up in our hearts this morning that we need to encounter God's presence and His love again. So, Lord, I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit that's here and present with us, within the new heart and the new spirit that you've given each of us, would you begin to administer blessing and healing? Would your love that casts out fear, would it begin to wipe every tear? We thank you for the the promise of the revelation you gave John that that one day there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, that you are making everything new. Revelation 21.5 says you're making everything new. 
You're not going to, you're, you're doing it right now. And I pray that you would make our hearts new this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Open the eyes of our heart. Bring newness, bring healing, bring comfort. And uh, during the, the next part of our service, I just encourage you, if you'd like prayer, come to the back and there'll be some prayer team and leaders. Or you might want to just ask someone that you may know near you. Or you might just want to stand before the Lord. You might want to physically just open yourself to Him. But I just pray that, yeah, let's, let's be honest and open and real this morning.